Hi, welcome to McCubbin Concast number five. I'm Brian Murphy at Every Sixth Day on Twitter, and with me is I'm Doug Brizzoni at Moonwalk McFly on Twitter. And we are back, despite last week's just mess of a podcast uh, where we tried to go against Grant Brisby's off-season projections, and boy, boy, did our rookie stature at, at that just blow up! It just showed up right there. He, he destroyed here. us without even being on the podcast. He just, I believe he destroyed us with Matt Garza, too. Not even I know, even... that's the most embarrassing part. <laughs> that ruined it. Uh, so today, there's a lot of Giants news to talk about. Free agency, of course. Willie Mays gets the Medal of Freedom from the President of the United States. And uh, some non-tender moves by the Giants. Sort of surprising. Yusmero Petit and Hector Sanchez uh, not offered contracts. And the biggest news, though, it just came across our timeline just before we started recording. And Doug, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but Zach Cranky, sorry, Hunter Pence. I've got Zach Cranky <laughs> on the brain. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, Doug, but uh, Hunter Pence proposed to his girlfriend, his longtime girlfriend. I'm going to butcher her beautiful Greek name, Alexis Kazambolides. I'm totally blew it. And she, he proposed to her at... Walt Disney World, and had it all arranged with the Walt Disney Media Relations to get it on on video, the proposal. And it turns out Hunter Pence is a huge Disney freak. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he apparently he is. I didn't know that before. If you had told me, though, half an hour ago, there's one guy on the Giants who's a huge Disney freak, I'd be like, Hunter Pence, he loves everything. He's really enthusiastic. He would get into it. Apparently, he is. Apparently. I mean, I, I kind of want to go. I want to dig deeper here. What's his favorite Disney movie? You know, what's his favorite ride? Does he actually like Disney World better than Disneyland? I would guess he would. That he probably he probably grew up on Disney World over Disneyland. Uh, I grew up I mean, on maybe, Disneyland. But yeah, I grew up on I mean, I grew up on Disneyland. But um, I also, you know, when I was a kid, everyone would always say that Disney World was better. Like, none of them had been there. But <laughs> that was the thing to say. So I don't know. Well, as I've, as I've met people who've, who started the same as I did and started at Disneyland and then went to Disney World, they've actually said that Disneyland's great and that some things are better at Disney World, but it's not remarkably, it's not measurably better than Disneyland. Uh, they're just able to do bigger things because of no zoning restrictions and not having to build for earthquakes. Um, so I don't know. It's kind of a split. I think we've got it pretty good in California to have Disneyland. Um, yeah, that's true. Where, what's your metering for Disneyland stuff? Um, I, you know, I, I liked it when it was, when I was a kid, but I didn't, I didn't love it. You know, it was basically the same as magic mountain. Hmm. Um, because I, I lived in Southern California for a few years. So, you know, I went to those Southern California ride places. And basically Disneyland and Magic Mountain were kind of at the top. And then big step down to Knott's Berry Farm. Yeah. <laughs> um, sort of a sort of a staggering drop. So. <laughs> yeah. It was massive. Uh, um, but yeah, no, I, I liked it. But I don't have any special affection for it now. It's just a good place to go if you have kids, I guess. Or for some people, if you don't have kids. Yeah, they do some pretty cool things. I like when they change it to Nightmare Before Christmas, the Haunted Mansion. That's that's always a cool modification that they make. But 
Yeah, I'm kind of the same, although I can't convince anyone uh, who are my friends that I am not a Disney nut because when we go there, I I remember the geography enough to know where everything is. So it <laughs> makes it seem like I'm this huge fan. It's not a huge park, but whatever. So, yeah. Well, uh, so what do you think uh, Hunter Pence's favorite ride is? Well, this is a great question. I think his favorite ride is probably Pirates of the Caribbean. That's just the okay. first thing that pops into my mind. Um, but I'm, you know what? What am I saying? I know his favorite ride. It's Space Mountain. What are we talking about? His favorite ride is Space Mountain. So. Are, okay, I'm just going to say this, and I haven't seen the new one because I know they redid it, but are you sure it's not Star Tours? That's a good question. I, I'm just going to go with Space Mountain because it's an actual roller coaster. Star Tours is cool, but it's still a simulator. And I think okay. Hunter Pence is going to take the roller coaster, the actual roller coaster, over the the visual thing. So, one thing um, that's cool that they did with Star Tours, at least recently, is they just input uh, Finn into the um, into the ride now. So, oh. uh, John Boyega from Force Awakens, when you're under attack or whatever, he kind of pops up on the comm screen, and he's like, he's piloting the. I'm spoiling it. He's piloting the Millennium Falcon. And uh, he says, follow me, and he leads you through the crashed Star Destroyer and into safety. So I thought that was pretty cool, though. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm. You know what I'm going to say, though? Hunter Pence's favorite ride is? I'm going to Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Mr. Toad. <laughs> wow. You know what? Here's the thing. Someone has to ask him that question now that we know he's a big Disney nut. Uh, yeah. Baggerly, anybody, somebody, Alex Pavlovic, he's got to ask him. Um, that, that's, yeah. Okay. That's the classic ride. I think he would like the original ride actually come to think of it. All right. So yeah, it has so much personality. Yeah. He would love it. Okay. So those are the two. Now here's a bigger question. Who is the closet giant or Disney fan on the giants? The one that won't get involved in the conversations, but he, he loves it all. He just won't admit it. Like that sleeping beauty is his favorite movie or whatever, which by the way, sleeping beauty is pretty good. So I mean, right. I'm not, that's no, no, not no saying judgment like, on that. that's no judgment on that. I'm just saying like, he wouldn't admit that that's his favorite movie. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go, you know, the first name that popped in my mind, can't get it out. Joe panic. Joe panic. Yeah. That makes sense. I was going to say it has to be someone with no kids. First of all. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Cause the, the guys with kids can always use that as a cover and, and you know, they should. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. If you, if you like stuff that kids like, then you should have kids to use that as a cover to show your knowledge of it. Okay, that's Joe really Panic. That's the best reason to have yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Joe Panic. That's good. I think my guess would probably be uh, – I was going to say Pagan, but something about Pagan tells me he doesn't even watch TV or film. But not in the snobby way. He just doesn't have time for it. Uh, right. So, uh, I guess Panic's really good, man. It, like, takes the wind right out of my sails there. So. <laughs> All right. If you have uh, if you have thoughts on who the closet Disney fan is uh, on the Giants right now, uh, let us know in the comments below. So we're recording this podcast on Thursday as we always do, but we're right in the middle of free agency, and a lot of uh, and a couple of names have already come off the board: Jordan Zimmerman, Zach Greinke, and of course Jay Happ, uh, all off the board. Right, not Greinke, not yet. Yeah. Uh, but we're assuming, right, that by the time we're done finishing this podcast, that Cranky, he just won't be on the – he'll already be signed between – Right. Yeah. When we finish recording yeah. and posting this, he'll have signed somewhere and this will all be invalid. So, But it's yeah, – oh, go ahead. 
uh, well, so just want to let you know, right now it's about one thirty Pacific time on uh, on Thursday. My guess is he's going to sign in four hours, four. and this is going to go up on Friday. <laughs> so this will all be tremendously out of date for all you Zach Granke fans. We can all look forward to that. I think you're, I mean, I think it's tonight too. I, I believe you're right. For a lot of reasons being, and one of them being that Zach Granke is very smart and he doesn't want his news to go out on a Friday to take out the trash day. And like he wants, <laughs> he wants to get it on the Thursday to, to have the cycle or to end the news cycle with the biggest news. Yeah, I think it, that's good. So this is already an invalid podcast, although we've already got some good hot Disney takes in there. Um, what is, is Star Tours your favorite ride? I guess we didn't say our favorite rides. Uh, I always like Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain's great. I think Big Thunder yeah. Mountain's my favorite, though. Okay. It's solid. I can always go back to it, and I always enjoy it. I have a fear of heights, so sometimes I can do certain rides, and other times I can't. It was cool. Wow. Yeah, it was cool when they did this. They modified Space Mountain so that it's Star Wars, so it means it's a little brighter inside. But they've projected like Star Destroyers and X Wings, and you're flying through a battle and all that stuff. So that's kind of cool. I mean, it takes my mind off of the the, the height thing and the velocity thing, whatever. <laughs> uh, anyway, so <laughs> so Zach Grinky has narrowed it down though too. He might sign tonight. Uh, the Giants and the Dodgers is what it sounds like. And he's probably going to get somewhere in the realm of, I don't know, we're going to play this game later, I think, of an AAV guessing game, average annual value guessing game. But he wants to get more than uh, than David Price, who signed a seven-year, $217 million deal. So th the Giants, it seems, very, it seems very unlikely that they're going to go above $30 million for a pitcher per year. But uh, who knows? Maybe they want this guy. I mean, I would say that if they're already at thirty million a year, which they have to be, then two or three more, it's not really going to be the backbreaker. Sure, and also non-tendering who they've non-tendered, Petit and Sanchez. I mean, it's not it's not a lot, but it's probably somewhere in the realm of three to maybe five million dollars that they've saved. Um, probably more. Let's just say three and a half. To add on, add on to the 24 that they have. So they have about $27 million before the tax hits. And now you're a trade away from – you really are like a, like a decent trade away from clearing the space to at least fit Granky. But then again, maybe they're not, maybe they're not worrying about the tax and that, that's all smokescreen. Maybe Bobby Evans and Brian Sabian have made the argument that going over the tax this year and maybe even next year is worth it because – Kane's going to come off the books in 2017, and so you'll start to have more flexibility there. I don't know. Um, yeah, that'd be my guess. And also there's the argument that um, they just have a total budget. So, you know, they can go over the cap, but if they go under their, you know, the payroll by that amount, then the total budget will be the same. So if they get, take a $2 million hit, you know, on the cap, instead of $189 million, they'd go to $187 million with what they're actually paying players, and it would all be really the same for them in the end. In any case, I'd very much like the Giants to make some sort of move in the pitching market. And another name they've been linked to is uh, Jeff Samarja. That, that name's also come up. And when I hear that, it makes me think that they should just bid on Kenta Maeda. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they I should mean, just do that. Just, just go for, you know, Maeda probably has a lot of flaws, but I haven't watched them for a bunch of years. They're not glaring at me from his Fangraphs page, so I'm all for it. 
Grant brought up a great point in his post this week about Samarja playing in one of the worst pitchers' parks and behind or in front of one of the worst defenses in the entire sport. And so those could contribute to some some bad numbers for sure. But you're wondering, you know, he I saw another tweet where he lost control of his slider this year. Well, that seems like a pretty important pitch for a power pitcher to have. <laughs> uh, so if he's figuring he's not going to rely on the slider as much, but he's hoping for a bounce back with defense, et cetera, I still think, you know, he's going to get – 16 million well we'll find out in the game but like he's still gonna get 16 million dollars a year and it's just like i I don't know if jefferson march is worth all that so i'd rather go with the unknown quantity and hope for the upside there and the lower aav yeah um i would say that you know fangraphs has samarja this year if you just sort of ignore era go well he was in the park he was he had the bad defense you know i mean even then um, Fangraphs has his FIP and his XFIP as the worst since he's been a starter. So I don't know that he really, I, I mean, he, he wasn't as bad as his ERA, but he did not have a good year and he's really never been as good as he should have been. He's always been just that guy who, when he puts it all together and at some point you have to look at him and say, well, what if he doesn't, what if you're paying $16 million for, I don't know. Kirk Reader, not Kirk Reader, but, you know, like a Russ Ortiz or something, someone who's never really going to be an ace. Right. Is that really what you want to spend that money on? Or do you want to take a shot on Meta, who could be that guy? Yeah. I, I mean, it's th- these are the things where uh, it's good for everybody, myself, Giants fans, the team that I'm not a general manager. But they certainly, when you don't have a lot of room to play with and you don't want to – you're not the Dodgers – and, you know, you're not the Yankees and you're not the Red Sox and you're not really that concerned about tax. And, you you know, you have investors. It's you've got to get it right. Or at least you've got to you've got to try to get it right. And it just doesn't feel like Jeff Samarja is in the right direction. But again, the Giants have excellent scouts. They have excellent instruction. And if they are confident that they can do something with him, you, who knows? I mean, we. We as we as fans have been quite wrong before on a lot of things. So <laughs> that is true. But it's on that... paper, it just seems so ridiculous that why? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Samarja is kind of right on that line between well, appe- between like appeal to authority and well, they have to know something we don't, and that's sort of the you know if, if they sign him, it's you have to assume that they have some information that we don't, that Dave Rigetti has been looking at his delivery for three years and be like, come on guys, just that one thing. Because otherwise, like, why would you do that? It's just, it's just a move made for the sake of looking like you're competitive. It's the sort of thing the Orioles used to do where they would sign these big names and they'd be fine, but the team would be terrible. That's the kind of team that should sign Jeff Samarja. It seems like to me as a fan, one who wants to look, to their fan base, like they aren't not trying, but really they're not trying. And I can't imagine the Giants being a team like that. I, I just don't see that as being anywhere near, excuse me, their organizational philosophy or anything like that. I mean, they, even in their most head-scratching moves, have had 
some sort of, you know, they didn't bring Ryan Vogelsong into the fold because they thought he was going to be the guy. You know what I mean? They didn't, he wasn't a move to make a move. He hung around because they saw something in him. And they, they, every time they put a little more trust in him, he rewarded that. Uh, I'm just trying to think in terms of free agent moves, even something like Aubrey Huff was not, it was meant to be a stopgap measure and it worked out as they intended it to be. And then, yeah, they rewarded him with a ridiculous contract that everybody knew it wasn't going to work, but that was a very specific, we are rewarding him and maybe we will get some decent value. They probably didn't expect he would turn into nothing, even though most of us did. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and then something like Edgar Renteria, that was another stopgap move, even though pretty much the consensus was he was done and it was kind of a waste of resources on a team that was, you know, trying to rebuild. And so putting this older shortstop in wasn't necessarily going to work. And I would say on the whole, it was, it, it worked out, <laughs> but, but <laughs> yeah, the, there were some good moments. Yeah, in there were there. some great moments in there, but I mean, for the most part, I would say time-wise for the majority of that contract, it was, it was what the fans, you know, what people like us thought it would be, but also it was what the giants needed it to be, which was a stopgap measure. And it was paying a guy, basically what he was going to get anyway. And then, yeah, then he brought us to some great highs. I'm trying to think of something even more recently, so I'm not just reaching back three or four years, but... Uh, uh, Morse? Morse, maybe? Morse, but, and, but Morse was like one year at pinch hit, fill in, be versatile guy. He was exactly... I don't. I think everyone kind of... It was for like six and a half or seven million dollars too, right? So yeah. I, I to, me, to me personally, maybe there are other fans or McCovey Chronicle people, I didn't think it was a bad deal. I thought it was like, it was kind of ridiculous in my mind that the Giants might have thought he was a 30 home run guy still. But for the money and what they were going to use him for, it didn't seem so bad. And it was great. And it worked out exactly yeah. well. Um, I think everyone was just afraid he was going to become a full-time guy. He kind of did. But uh, but uh, it worked out well for everybody. So Morris, was, that's a good one. Um, Jeff Smarja. I think it, I also think just because the line from the Giants having solid pitching to having disastrous pitching, I don't think Jeff Samarja is the he's the he creates a buffer between that. <laughs> I think he could just as I think that's the fear, right? He could just as easily be as bad as as Chris Heston's second you know last two months or yeah. or Ryan Vogelsong season or whatever, and so it kind of makes you think like okay. Maybe Jeff Peavy, or Jake Peavy isn't as uh, solid as he was in 2016 as he was for 2015. But if let's assume he is kind of, he's just a good six inning pitcher, then it's Bumgarner, and then you go down a few notches, and then Peavy, and then what? <laughs> and and you know, if Samarja's not in between that gap, uh, there's you know, the Giants are still in trouble, and they've spent a lot of money on nothing. Yeah, trouble. It's trouble. That's right. Um, so, and and this comes uh, on the heels of the Giants' non-tendering Yusmero Petit, who uh, I thought was a good pitcher. He did not have a great he did not have a great season last year, and maybe that's why he didn't pitch as much. Uh, the Giants, it's that thing appealing to authority. They probably saw something or knew something we didn't, but he was never a high velocity guy. Uh, he was always you know command and control and 
maybe they thought it wasn't showing up as much last year, but to me, he didn't look remarkably different. In fact, it just didn't seem like they were pitching him as much, which was probably hurting whatever rhythm or, or uh, ability consistency. And so, so I think getting rid of him is very troublesome for a team that needs pitching. I mean, it is, uh, he, he did decline last year. His, you know, his strikeout rate plummeted. Um, and, that was really the big thing. And, you know, Fangraphs had him as a negative 0.1 war. So that's not great. And you just have to think there was some sort of scouting in there that they were watching him every day and saying, no, he's not, he's not going to be a real effective guy. We can do better for the minimum. We can do better with Chris Heston in that role. Um, we can do better with whoever, but he's not going to be worth the 2 million that, we then want to turn around and spend on Granky, which you have to assume that's what they were thinking. Um, it's sad just because, you know, he was such a big part of that, that run in 2014, but it became pretty clear last year. That they didn't really know what to do with him. I think because he would only come in when the game was over and eat up and eat a few innings. And then it was, it was kind of a thought of, well, why is he even on the team? If you don't trust him in any kind of situation, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's kind of tough, but at the same time, the writing was on the wall, I think. It's weird. He started one game last year, and yeah. and it was in Colorado. and It, it was he, the back half of a doubleheader. They had yeah, to start him. Yeah, and he still threw six innings and gave up four runs. It wasn't a great start, but, you know, start. it's just strange. They gave They still gave Winsicum that rope and all that. And yeah, we'll just have to go with, they knew something, they must know something we don't, or they just figured exactly. We can get the same performance for less. And, and maybe Heston in a, in some sort of fill it in that swing role, they might feel more comfortable with, or Blackburn as getting him ready in that role to start swinging, start him swinging and then bring him in. Uh, yeah. So those are all possibilities. And so farewell, Yusmero Petit. Uh, I mean, I think I think the unending playoff game is his. Is it? That's his mark in Giants history. It was the most significant con- contribution in Giants history. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a that was incredible what he did that game, and even his next two games in the playoffs were in both of them he went um, three innings and didn't give up any runs. He was so he shaky the- when he came in in that game, in, in game two. He was like, remember, that was not a good start to the inning. And uh, and there, the Giants, by virtue of being out of options, just went, you know, Bochy just had to leave him in. And it worked worked out. <laughs> yeah, he, he came through. He just kind of decided, well, that was your chance. I'm now going to, I'm just going to shut you down now for the rest of the time. And the Nationals were like, oh, okay. Which was probably a sign of bad leadership on the part of Matt Williams. <laughs> well, I still remember Bruce Bochy being quoted as saying when when uh, Matt Williams pulled Jordan Zimmerman that he's like, "Oh, we're gonna we got a chance. We're gonna win this thing." <laughs> he thought it was a bad move, and uh, and just giving any life to a to a clubhouse. What it's always better when you just come in and you Araldus Chapman a team, right? Where you just come in and shut him down. But there's something particularly twisted about the guy who comes in and is shaky and you think you've got a chance, but then you don't punch through and then he shuts you down because you had that hope 
You had the hope, and then it was dashed in that moment. When, when and then he just and and every inning you have to be thinking, well, he's got to be tired now. He's been <laughs> in for three innings, four innings. We'll get to him, and then you just don't. Yeah, right. <laughs> Right, you're waiting him out. You're waiting for a moment that never comes. Uh, I mean, he has this big historical moment, the playoff, the playoff run. Obviously, the scoreless inning streak, very impressive, because he's relieving. I feel like that's an extra, that's an extra degree of difficulty. Is I mean, it, it could be, yeah. The relief innings. I, I, I mean, because it's got that certainty. It's got the uncertainty of never knowing when you're going to, going to come in. Not being really sure when when it's your day, whereas if you're Greg Maddox or Oral Hershiser, whoever has held the the streak before, they at least had that certainty of like I know I'm pitching on this day, I know I'm pitching on this day, and Petit for the most part there was some uncertainty there. I think he started a lot or more than a few times in that streak, but I'm going to check it right yeah. now. Yeah, it's but, tough to be mentally prepared. Right. Um, and that's his greatest did, strength, which might be why he'd be very valuable. Um, he's going to get signed to a major league deal, no, no question. Yeah, he has to be. Yeah. Um, and also there was, uh, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he. If I'm remembering right, he did start a few of those games. Um, but. And it's I guess just, I guess we're totally forgetting about the near perfect game too, or no hitter too. Oh right, or, 2013, Eric Chavez. That was crazy. Jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, the near perfect game, everybody. Um, yeah, Eric Chavez. Who who would have thought? And I I remember Hunter Pence's tweet after that game that he was like he was he did everything he could to catch that ball, and he just felt like it was going in slow motion. Um, <laughs> Man, if he had been on Space Mountain or something, that roller coaster, he would have caught it. That's a bad joke. That was a bad joke. I'm sorry, everyone. That was a bad joke. Uh, (laughs) That was the only bad joke in the history of this podcast. That's right. Uh, I'm a firm believer that in comedy being a volume business, though. So so Hector Sanchez, also gone, uh, non-tendered as well. And if you had said that two years ago, I think... A lot of people would have just said good riddance, but I think that everything that happened to him with the concussions, the injuries, I think he, I think I would be a heartless monster more so if I said that. And I would say that uh, I would like to see, I think Hector Sanchez is a solid major league backup. Um, And so I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that his career's ended with the giants this way, but I'm sure he'll find another team very soon. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough for him because he just kept getting hit in the head with balls, with baseballs specifically, um, and you know that that has an effect on you. That you have to worry about his health. You have to think about Mike Matheny when you see that kind of thing. Um, and you know you wish all the best for him. He's apparently a really nice person. I remember in September he and he and Susak had like an Instagram photo of rehabbing together. In uh, in Scottsdale, and Aww. I was like, "Oh, good for them!" Yeah, <laughs> and like you really root, hope for the best for him, but at the same time, he's not the best backup for this team. He yeah. might, you know, with the emergence of Trevor Brown, he might not even be the second best backup for this team. Oh, I would say that's so. True. Yeah. Um, it's and you know, I say emergence of Trevor Brown as if <laughs> what, five <laughs> or whatever the majors. <laughs> 
And we are all treating him like that. Like, oh, yeah, he could be a backup now for 10 years. He looked good for a week. Um, it doesn't take much to earn Bochy's faith, though, uh, if you're a catcher. So, no, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, I, I think one thing about Hector Sanchez is that when he would get those blows, when he would get hit with the ball and he'd pull the mask off, this is not like – this is not me insulting him. It just like he would look his he would have such a cartoonishly like ow that really hurt expression on his face whenever they show it or whenever he looked dazed it would be the the most uh demonstrative showing of I have a head injury that you could imagine that like every time did do you ever recall when they'd pull the mask off after getting hurt? His eyes would be huge and he'd just be like, Oh my god, I just got hit in the head really hard. And you yeah, just and knew like, every time he was in pain, it was not a good thing. No, it was bad. Like especially at the end where he would, you know, he would take the mask off, he'd try to shake it off, he'd wince, yeah. and he'd put the mask back on, get back in the squad. You're like, man, just you should just come out of the game. This is not good for you. It's like saying it's like seeing a boxer just like stay down, stay down, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think you know Hector Sanchez's strengths uh, on paper are that he's got a he's got a pretty good arm. He's a switch hitter. He's got some power. Uh, I think those are all things that make him attractive. I remember his. I remember Rafael Soriano trying to get him to swing at like like high fastballs and uh, Hector Sanchez winning the game for the Giants uh, in Washington. I think it was 2013, maybe. Um, uh, so, you know, he had, he had some good, nice, he could play at this level, major league qualities. I think what, what we saw ultimately that for a lot of reasons, some of the Giants uh, public media or professional media would say, we're not professional media, but you know what I mean? <laughs> that would say like he can hit, but they would ignore the fact that he struck out a lot and had no strike zone judgment. Uh, he couldn't take a walk. He was a terrible <laughs> defensive catcher. He couldn't frame. You know, he had no framing skills. You know, he would stab at pitches. I'm kind of curious, though, after really honing in and paying attention to Susak when he caught this year, I'm actually wondering who's the worst catcher. So, <laughs> because it actually, to me, feels a lot closer than you might think. I could be... Someone will show me a number, a stat sheet where I'm totally wrong. But, you know, Susak, he does that thing where he, he pumps the glove before he sets it up, and it is kind of distracting. He's not a great framer. He certainly doesn't have a great arm. Um, so it's <laughs> Trevor Brown almost wins by default when you take those two guys together. Right. Um, yeah, no, there's definitely flaws in both of their games. Susak, I think, is a little bit better than Hector in most areas. Um, but, yeah, it's not like some huge difference. That's definitely something that either of them could make up with the bat, I think. And, you know, Susak's better with the bat. Uh, you know, just a lot better offensively. And he's not injured all the time. I, I'd also say that I think the stats bear out that Susak's better and he's been better for the last couple of years. Um, you know me, and, I'm, I'm only an eye tester. I only do eye tests. That's true. So I know that about you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's Susak just, it feels better with having him back there. Oh, than sure. Hector. Sure. Um, and I don't know, that could just be bias. 
that could just be, well, I like him better. I've, you know, I've been reading people bagging on Hector since 2011 or 2011, 2012, 2012, when he came up. Um, and, you know, Susak was really good in 2014. And you can kind of excuse what happened on this year. Well, he was hurt all year, so it wasn't his true talent level. Um, but in the end, yeah, I think that they're really not that different in in value, especially the backup position where they're going to start once or twice a week. That's probably not going to be a huge deal for a team. So, yeah. Um, I would also say that about Hector, the, the game I remember from him was game four of the division series in 2012. Yeah, game four. That was when Zito started and was very bad in. <laughs> where Hector took two walks for what must have been like the only time in his career. <laughs> well, let me find this out. My <laughs> trying to load Hector Sanchez's stats has frozen baseball reference. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I, I think the uh, stabbing at, uh, or excuse me, I'm going to cut edit some stuff out here. One other thing <laughs> about Hector Sanchez was that I think, the main reason why he stayed on the team really was because of Tim Lincecum. I really think yeah. that, that they just needed a guy, they needed fodder for all those balls in the dirt uh, and and just the scuds and everything. And I, I don't know why it took so long for that statement, that very clear statement to be the, to come out. It seemed like it was two years later when everyone was like it well after the public perception that Posey and Lincecum don't like each other. It seemed like it took too long for the ensuing statement of Tim Lincecum throws a lot of balls in the dirt. Hector Sanchez, we feel more comfortable catching those than than ruining Buster Posey with that. Right. Uh, it felt like it took too long for that statement. I think it was two years until that statement came out. So uh, it just felt um, too long. I, I just checked. Hector Sanchez did walk twice in the game, two times in his major league career, yes. other than that postseason game. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Well, I'm seeing in 2013 he did uh, against the Rockies and, and at the Marlins. So <laughs> those are places where a, a batter like him could walk twice in a game. I could definitely see that. <laughs> Without looking at who was pitching those days, um, I could definitely see that. But, uh, yeah, I, I think – I think it's just weird. You, It's a hard thing to think about. The Giants have done so well in maintaining sort of their cast of characters for so long that when anyone leaves for something that doesn't seem like tremendously obvious performance issues, like it's good that that Ryan Vogelsong is probably not coming back. Tim Lincecum, I, I think we know that it's like, well, if they think there's still a chance, he'll come back. But you know what I mean? Like when these guys are done – then it's, it makes a lot of sense. But sometimes when it seems like it could go either way, the Giants have sort of sided with, well, let's keep them as, instead of lose him. So that's why it's a little surprising where someone like Petit and Sanchez are going. It could just be – it's a quick trigger for a lot of reasons, for many possibilities we've talked about. They could know that those guys are done. They just need that. They need the roster space. You know, their 40-man roster is full. If they're going to trade for or add anybody, they need to make room. So – it it just yeah. could be a numbers game in that sense. So, and any... um, yeah, I mean, with with Hector especially, he's expendable because they had other backup catchers. With Petit, he was kind of on the bubble, but you know, you just have to make those choices. And in the end, it's probably not going to be that big of a deal. Yeah. 
Well, well, we've got until Zach Greinke signs with another team. We don't have a lot to really focus in on. But in any case, uh, farewell to Petit and Sanchez. Uh, good Giants. I would say both good, good Giants. Good Giants. Uh, this tweet just came across as well. Ken Rosenthal, the real Ken Rosenthal, not Ken, <laughs> not Ken Rosenthal or whatever the other ones have been. Uh, and his tweet says, sources, Samarja and Leak are plan B for Giants if they lose Granke. Lackey, also an option, as is a trade. No word yet on Granke. And then he follows up that tweet with, other teams obviously pursuing Samarja and Leak as well. No assurance that SF Giants would get any of top targets. Well, my response to that is, of course, <laughs> I think I think we're all prepared for the Giants not getting any of the top A or B free agents. Uh, there just seems to be something about not being able to get those guys. Yeah, it's been a theme for them, which, you know, it's not like it's gone badly, but... Right. <laughs> but it's interesting that follows up on our Samarja point. That is, uh, I mean, it's not it's not official. It's a Ken Rosenthal source, which is probably pretty strong, pretty legit. But you know, that's a com- confirmation of the Plan B being Samarja and Leak. And oh boy, that's where we're at, folks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be a very odd off season if it was Samarja and Leak, and then Marlon Bird as the off season. So, be very surprising. Um, yeah, let's hope something yeah. else. Uh, well, let's switch gears just for a minute and stop talking about free agency and, and getting sad about that. Uh, last week, Willie Mays went to the White House and he was awarded the Medal of Freedom, the highest civilian honor that the government can bestow. Uh, he was given the award by President Obama in about a 45-minute ceremony. If you're interested, you can go on YouTube and watch the whole thing, just search President Obama awards the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Uh, it's pretty simple. And William Bays comes in. He's awarded his at about 31 minutes and 44 seconds. I did check the time. So you can skip right to that. And they gave really brief comments. I would repeat them or replay them, but they're really small. It was basically his uh, – what he did inspires everybody and his legacy will live on, that kind of thing. Um, the coolest part of the ceremony, I'm spoiling the whole thing. Coolest part of the ceremony is he's in a wheelchair and some other recipients were in a wheelchair. And so the president would just put the, the medal, he would go behind them and put it on their necks. And uh, he, he would go behind everyone and put the award on the medal on their necks. But Willie actually stood up and that caused the crowd to cheer. I think he actually got the biggest cheer uh, from anybody. So I cheered. Yeah. I wasn't even there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so it was, it was pretty cool. Willie Mays was determined to stand up and he stood up and looked pretty effortless, uh, to do it. So when he sat down though, it looked like he had expended some effort. So that was interesting. Uh, Willie Mays, uh, it's so weird not growing up and seeing Willie Mays play or anything, but just knowing that, you know, I love the quote that the all-star game was made for Willie Mays. And I just love <laughs> that he's pretty much. You can't even the most racist baseball fans seem like they like Willie Mays even. So <laughs> there are a lot of racist people in the world and baseball fans, but it seems like everyone likes Willie Mays. Right. So that's that's the only hope for humanity, basically. <laughs> right. <laughs> that would be an interesting if there was a racial summit of some kind and and the the opening line was someone just 
shrugging their shoulders with their hands out going, Willie Mays? And then then everyone going, okay, we have a point of agreement. Um, (laughs) He still looks like he's, he still looks like I have, the only air I've ever shared with him, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm in the stadium when he's in the stadium. That's basically it. But when you see him on camera, it looks like he still lights up a room or, or he still seems like he's, he's got just that life that kind of, that jumps off of him. Uh, yeah, it's pretty he seems energetic yeah. when you see him like talk to people and go around shaking hands and stuff. He's sort of he's still pretty pretty with it there, which yeah. is good to see because you know when that starts to go, you kind of get depressed. Right, and it also seems like when he when you talk when he's having a conversation, it seems like he's actually listening to the other person. By the way, folks, this is not me analyzing him for his age and what he's able to do as a human being. My point is, it seems like he's actually interested in the person he's talking to, with which a lot of famous people or a lot of basically these historical figures, you know, they they just talk, they talk to so many people, so many people talk to them. Uh, you know, it seems like he's he cares, like he actually he gives a damn about the person that's in front of him. Um, again, I test. So. <laughs> small sample size small sample size of just 34 years of seeing him sporadically <laughs> um, uh, but I think anytime you can get the the Giants involved anytime baseball and something like the Medal of Freedom comes across uh, that's that's pretty amazing um, it, just that the United States government is awarding an athlete for leaving such a such a strong legacy that they believe it has a positive contribution to the country. Uh, I mean, AJ Przinsky is never going to win that award, and <laughs> he is not. Yes, we can call that now. <laughs> Although I would say that Michael Barrett punching AJ Przinsky <laughs> to United a Nation uh, that was probably one of the most unifying things that's ever happened in baseball. It was. I mean, I think a lot of Angels got their wings that day. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know why Artie Moreno bought his players wings that they can't still couldn't fly, but hey, good for him. Uh, also at that ceremony uh, was Steven Spielberg. He was also honored. And it made me think that, well, he made a Lincoln movie. How would he do with the Willie Mays movie? Um, and, and why there hasn't been a, a really great or hasn't been, you know, I should probably have come into this with more research. They used <laughs> to do... You know, like uh, like Lou Gehrig had a movie, and he was in the movie. Uh, I think Joe DiMaggio had a movie, and he was in the movie. Uh, Willie Mays, there hasn't been a Willie Mays story, or at least talks of remaking one. Uh, that would be something that I think would be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that'd be, I, I would enjoy that. Uh, I, I do wonder what the actual movie would be, but... I'm sure it would just be well, be like it'd be a biopic or biopic. It would be right, but like, did did he have the one the one success? Because his life was more, you know, his baseball career at least was more like a continuing string of excellence. Right, right. So the whole movie would just be winning montages. That's all (laughs) it would be. I would pay twelve dollars to see that. That's right. (laughs) It is tough when you are the best to to make a something dramatically interesting about that and the fact that he did seemingly so there was a tv movie called a man named maze uh so they used to do this with celebrities they would or with sports stars they would just make the movie about their life with them in it like they would just go and refilm their events 
and intersperse archival archival footage. Um, you know, essentially be like Kobe Bryant making the Kobe Bryant story right now. Um, <laughs> obviously with a lot of that edited out, but <laughs> uh, yeah, Willie Mays. This has been our Willie Mays discussion, everybody. Willie Mays is great. <laughs> Willie Mays, we're for him. <laughs> we are we are for Willie Mays. Uh, okay, so uh, I actually encourage everyone to leave their Willie Mays memories or anything distinct about them about him that they want to talk about. I think twenty four All Star games, uh, All Star games or whatever, but the number twenty four of them <laughs> shows longevity in the career and just that he was considered. I'm sure more than one of those was sort of that Cal Ripken, you know, honorarium type all-star appearance. But the fact that he had such a long track record uh, in the sport and is unanimously viewed as one of the greatest players of all time and is beloved, essentially. Um, I can't have it. Who said a bad word about Willie Mays? That's all I want to know. Who said Someone I'll fight. Yeah. <laughs> Probably Charlie Finley did. Um, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, and Frank McCord during... Um, okay, so th that's out of the way. Leave your Willie Mays memories in the comments is what I'm trying to say. Or something that, if you want, if you feel like I need more education or if Doug needs more education, send us a link. It'll be cool. So let's play a game, wrap it up, uh, as we often do with silly games. And let's let's put something on the line. I feel like... Uh, if you come up with a better, let's make a bet essentially with this game, Doug, uh, the okay. loser, the loser will have written about him, um, a post about all of his worst takes. You had the best burn of, on me of all time <laughs> where you, where you were going to write a post that said, uh, I think Brian Murphy's five worst opinions. And then you put number one, all of them as the greatest, as the greatest burn. But I feel like to put some skin in the game. We should have a, a post for the loser of this game uh, where they have their five worst takes on McCovey Chronicles uh, just to highlight it. It doesn't have to be more than that, uh, okay. but that's it. Are you, right. are you amenable to those terms? Agreeable? Yeah, I'm, I'm in. Okay. All right. So we're going to do that. We're going to play a game, and I guess we'll do, uh, what, best out of five or best out of seven? Let's do best out of five. Best out of five. All right, that's fine. So the game is AAV, and we're going to get, uh, let's say closest without, or let's just say closest, because going over, I don't feel like you can really go over in free agency. So, right. <laughs> uh, since all these prices are completely ridiculous. Um, so we'll just do the, we'll do the major remaining free agents, and then whoever, and then out of five, whoever gets the most, well, whatever. And if we tie for some reason, which is like we <laughs> pick the same, well, we can't pick the same numbers. See, this is me being dumb. Okay, here well, we go. One of them, we're like equally far away. Like yeah. I'm half a million over, you're half a million under, and, yeah. and we split the other two. Yeah. That would be a tie. There we go. So if we... If something like that happens, then we'll figure out what to do next. That'll be a good problem to have. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, okay, so we'll start with the obvious one. We'll go with Zach Cranky. Uh, thirty-three million. You're gonna go with thirty-three. So yeah. I'm gonna go with my post from the other day, and I'm gonna say his AAV is gonna be. He's a he's a kooky guy, so I think it's gonna be thirty-three point three. So. Oh, you're a jerk. You know that? <laughs> I don't like your attitude, Mister. <laughs> But if you get if you, if it's thirty two point eight, or you know right. you're you you win this. So 
Uh, all right, so I'm gonna go with thirty three point three. Um, all right, all right. Next. How about Cespedes? Cespedes. Ah, all right. Um, let's see. I'm gonna go with Cespedes at twenty four million. Okay, I'm gonna say twenty six million. Twenty six. No, no, I want to take that back. Okay. Actually, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say twenty three. Twenty-three. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Quato. This is the hard one. Oh, Quato. Twenty-three again. I like that number. Okay. Apparently. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say I had tweeted uh, earlier in the week thirty-two million, but I'm gonna drop it down to thirty million. Okay. So. Uh, okay. Uh, Upton. Uh, I'm going to stick with my tweet and say 26 million. All right. I'm going to go 27 and a half. 27 and a half. All right. Uh, so the last one then. <laughs> this is a great one to end on. <laughs> uh, Samarja. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, 15. Uh, I'm going to go with 18. <laughs> <laughs> when he signed for 16 and a half a mil, it's, yeah. mil a year it's gonna be great uh all right so oh and then this isn't part of the game but uh what do you think about ben zobrist he's an interesting case i think i, I mean i think i had seen a tweet i saw a tweet earlier in the week that the giants maybe were in on zobrist still uh i don't think they'll get him but he would be an interesting addition uh zobrist i think it's supposed to be around 15 that seems about right I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm thinking it'll be 16, but again, we're not playing the game there. So, uh, but that sounds about right. But a four-year deal is going to be woof. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, all right. So you had Cespedes for 23. That was the, that was what I needed to write down. Okay. So our reputations are on the line. No, they're not. No, they're not. So, <laughs> oh, we had a few Twitter questions. So let's actually end with the Twitter questions. Uh, they're very brief and ridiculous as always. Um, the first one, the main one is uh, that Grant wants to know, when are we going to be on iTunes? Well, hopefully you should be able to listen to this magical podcast and the previous four on iTunes now. You might even be listening to this one on iTunes, but that should be taken care of uh, somewhere between December 3rd and December 6th because it's the RSS feed's going to get taken care of in the next 12 to 24 hours, and then it'll populate to iTunes shortly thereafter. So... Uh, if you're listening to this in the McCovey Cron cast post, it should have the information for you, hopefully, um, for what iTunes is going to be. But that's all being taken care of this weekend, basically. And then the next question is, um, let's see. Well, we already talked about this. Uh, Todayologist, at Todayologist, wanted us to talk about backup catchers, and I think we already settled it. It's going to be Brown and Susack if Susack's not traded. Uh, and I don't think the Giants are going to go with three catchers. But then again, I didn't think that they'd go after Jeff Samarja. So I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. They work in mysterious ways. Yes. Uh, and then, um, the, I guess if they went with three catchers, it'd be because um, they give Trevor Brown some work on the infield. He's played on the infield uh, in the minors. I don't know if he's good enough in the majors, but if he were on, if it were him and Suzak and Posey, it'd probably be because they like uh, Brown versatility as a backup for like second base and third. 
Oh, okay. See, I was not even aware of that. So, he, back- well, he didn't do it uh, this year in the minors. It was before. It was like in San Jose. So it's been a while, and who knows if he's good enough? But he is athletic. Well, that's great to know. So he, so he could also be the pinch runner for when Posey <laughs> when Posey needs to be pulled later in the game. Sure, exactly. Uh, and then there's a there's a non baseball question from at Sean Gothman. Uh, well, it's actually a battle between Sean Gothman. Or his question is: Is a nude Zach Greinke something Giants brass wants Mil- Willie Mays to have to see eighty times a year? Uh, I think I think that Willie Mays would be fine with seeing Zach Greinke's uh, nudity uh, an entire baseball season because it would mean Zach Greinke's on the team. Yeah, I mean, the it's not like the Giants are are unanimously good looking. I know we got Susak and Contos and stuff, but. Come on. They're, they're not all that good. So, yeah, Granky would be fine. <laughs> right. Also, I imagine that Zach Granky naked looks like Data's android that he built before he, <laughs> before he made, him, uh, made it into his daughter. So that's a Star Trek reference. You should look it up. Uh, it's funny. Um, her name is her name is Lol. If you L A L. But before, but before Data, right, he was before. himself an android. Before he makes the android, he builds into a daughter, genders it, puts hair and a dress on her. It's just this silver synthoid thing that you that looks like a a robot, almost like uh, uh, the one from the day the Earth stood still. So. Uh, so, okay. Then the next question comes from Grant, our own Grant Brisby. He wants to know, is Celery Man the best skit ever? Um, Do you know what that is, first of all, Doug? I went and watched it when I saw the question. Yes. And I would say it is not the best skit ever. What do you think is the best skit ever? Well, uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to think of them. I don't, you know, they, they kind of pass through my mind pretty quickly. So it's tough, like, because Sean Gothman, who had, who we already answered a question from, yeah. um, had said pre-tape call-in show or get out in exactly those words. Yep. Um, and, you know, I watched that one, too. That's a really good one. That was that was funnier than Celery Man. Oh, man. Well, I disagree with you there. <laughs> Do you? It's a good sketch, but I'm saying Celery Man. Celery Man is very is is great. It's ridiculousness is why. Oh man, it's great. I I think it is the best sketch ever. Okay. So okay. <laughs> the uh, the pre taped call in show is fantastic. I'm I think in the history of Mister Show there have been very similar sketches to that, and also the the mental gymnastics or the lingual gymnastics of that sketch are great. It's a, they're both great sketches. If you prefer one over the other, I guess you're not missing out. Or, I mean, I guess you can't really go wrong, but Celery Man has Paul Rudd acting deadly serious, looking at essentially internet memes and saying that it's important work and ignoring his family. <laughs> it has and a, all in a minute and a half, all which in a minute is impressive. And a half. Yeah. And it's it's very it's very now and it's very you know it has a it has a a, a cultural significance that pre tape Colin show does not have pre tape Colin show is just a very funny idea superbly executed uh, Celery Man is that plus the other plus the other thing so <laughs> that is my that is my thesis on why Celery Man is the greatest sketch ever so. 
Okay. That's it. But that's it. That's all we got. That's all we got. Uh, send us your questions. Uh, if you have them, tweet them at us. Uh, we also ask for those questions early in the week and usually now the day before or the day of the recording. We will answer questions about anything. Mainly why Doug is so awesome. He still hasn't revealed the source of this awesomeness. If it was like a magical stream that he sipped water from or if it was like a Indiana Jones Last Crusade thing. Uh, basically, I think you drank something that made you awesome. I'm not sure. So you want to answer well, the question? I mean, if I told you where to find some, then I wouldn't be the only one. You'd and think that, that but not everyone has the courage or the knowledge or the skill to pass through the many trials to get to this place, presumably. So, well, no, but some of them would, and then what? And some of them would just be jerks. So I don't even know what would happen. <laughs> That's right. You wouldn't want you would want AJ Pruszynski to go through the trials. So no, and he would just out he of spite. Would. He would, and and he's probably physically able enough that he would probably do it. And yeah, with the extra spite factor, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we thank you for listening, and uh, we will be back next week. And hope you enjoyed it. All right. Bye. Uh, bye. <laughs>